0: that many people here is usually oh look all my favorite people showed up but my wife's not here so i can't really make that one but if you don't tell her all of my favorite people are here uh i like we like when we say uh everyone's yeah everyone's traveling to the lake (laughs) we're giving them credit and that's fine we give credit around here um, you get bonus points for being here on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we do, um, as a as a church, remember all those people who have lost their lives in in battle, and those who have lost their lives in service to their country. Um, we are uh, thankful for them. Uh, we are a movement that celebrates uh, the giving of life in the loss of life. So we completely understand that as we worship Jesus, who gave His life for our freedom as well. Um, in a, in a large way. Um, and those who give their life, uh, under Christ will also be resurrected too, just like Jesus was. So we celebrate that as well. Uh, a couple, another thing we celebrate is, uh, Alex and Adrian. Um, Alex, uh, last name is from Germany. Uh, Adrian's last name is from Mexico. And, uh, I don't, But they are—they've been um, here with us for nine, ten months now, it seems, and they are um, leaving this week. We are going to miss them. Uh, They have been regular um, members of our youth group and come to different devos and trips, and uh, I like them uh, quite a bit. So, um, just if you see them, uh, it's uh, Adrian's usually with Alex, so just spot Alex, who's tall. And then go go uh, say bye to them if um, it if just want wanted you to know that just so you didn't show up next week and we're like hey where's Alex and Adrian and then you didn't get a chance to say goodbye um, but they they will be leaving us going back to their homes and hopefully someday they will make it back here and we will um, have a party for them um, sometime soon. Uh, next Sunday is uh, June fourth. June fourth is a big day because. June fourth is the day is the first Sunday that John Gunter will actually be here officially in his role as um, the 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 family life minister. Now, I've heard different people say different things about John, just sort of in passing. Just someone told me just today, when's y'all's children's minister gonna get here? And I'm gonna tell you much this much: if John shows up and it turns out he's the children's minister, he's gonna be pretty upset. What John's role is, is the overall organization and structure of all of the ministries, like the nuts and bolts of our ministry, um, education, life groups, youth, uh, and, and, and maybe in that order. He's going to work with us to make us more efficient as a church, to help us build ministries instead of just be a minister. Uh, so if you, if you want to simplify it, although it's hard to simplify, if you would like to simplify what John is going to be doing, his role is more month to month as is, and, and mine is more week to week. Okay, So I visit and counsel and teach and preach, and he oversees what's he's going to, in August, he's going to be thinking about what's happening in December and planning that and working with you. Now, we told him that you people are good to volunteer don't let us down on that. When he calls you and says, hey, we're thinking about doing a a men's retreat or we're thinking about um, putting together a special banquet for our senior citizens or we're thinking about this or that, um, could you help? Just say yes. Yes. Just say yes. Not yet. And we will, uh, and, and then it won't be as hard as you think it is. Every time you volunteer for something, rarely is it like you think, oh, no, I'm going to have to stand in front of people and make announcements, and then they're, they're going to make fun of me and throw things, fruit, rotten fruit. Who brings rotten fruit to church? But they're going to, and it's going to be awful, and, and it's never going to be that bad. You're going to show up, and you're going to pour drinks, and you're going, to, you're going to smile at people, and you're going to put chairs under tables, and then you go home, and you feel good about yourself. Say yes. Volunteer teach class it'll be good i promise you you will not regret it no one has ever come out of teaching the babies class and said oh good night that was the worst babies are the worst no one says that I'll volunteer i promise you'll enjoy it um, but next week too oh my goodness this is like five minutes into the sermon cutting things in my head uh, next week too we're going to start a uh, a, a long process that is going to exist through the summer um, we will we will talk to you more about it next week but we're going to start a process of adding new and affirming the old elders to our congregation um, that that means we are going to look at we're going to spend June praying about it and preaching about it and then we're going to spend July nominating people and we'll talk more about that how that works when it gets here and then uh, in August, Uh, Those who have been nominated, who have accepted, um, will um, spend a Saturday in preparation for this and then be appointed on Sunday. It's going to be an easy process, but a long one because we want to take our time. We think that an imperfect process guided by prayer is better than a perfect process not guided by prayer. Although a perfect process guided by prayer would be better than all three, but we haven't figured out the perfect process yet. So, we are going to start that this, uh, this Sunday. All of June's sermons will be a series called A Prayer for Leaders. And it'll be about how we pray for our leaders and what leaders look like and what we as leaders should look like um, as leaders in the world to Jesus. It'll, it'll have all sorts of little angles on it, I promise. You'll enjoy it. And then July will uh, come another series, but we'll still be in the nomination process. So, please, pr- I'm telling you this now so that you will pray for it now, that you will pray for the process, that God be involved and the Spirit be working and that it be a, a, a holy and, and good process and that those who are um, who God is is aiming at to lead this church, lead this church, whether they want to or not. Okay? So uh, we are uh, we're proud. Um, so my favorite elders are the reluctant ones. You never want the guy who's like, I need to be in charge. That guy does not need to be in charge. Um, so we but my favorite elders are the reluctant ones, the ones who say, no, no, no that, that's not for me. Really, it's for you. Um, so we're, we're excited about that process. Um, please, um, please be praying for that. As we finish the series first and last, I think it's appropriate to look at the time that Jesus says that he is, or God says that he is, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. Um, it's It's found in Revelation, but before we do that, before I scare you with Revelation, let's talk about Revelation real quick. There's a show called Saturday Night Live. It's a parody of current events, mostly. Where they take current events and they say, "Here's how ridiculous current sort of events are," and they usually try to make a point by be, by by over uh, exaggerating things. And so they make they they try to make their little points. And whether you agree with their points or not, that's what they're doing. It's a parody of what's actually happening. If you read Revelation as a parody of current events not today's current events mind you that's what happens with revelation people get into revelation and they go oh man look it's obama or it's trump or it's bush or it's clinton oh look the devil is this revelation is not talking about the united states of america every book you find in the in the um bookstores about revelation is like what we found about revelation when it concerns the american flag okay yeah and everyone who writes those books talks like that it's all like man you know we found we found the deep secrets in the numbers about this thing or that thing no you didn't no you didn't because because it would just make just as much sense for someone else to write a book to say you know i read revelation and it turns out it's all about uzbekistan it's all it's all about just some random country because our country for everyone else in the first century is another random country we We're not the center of the Bible's world. So our country shouldn't be the center of our biblical understanding. It just makes sense. They they understood Revelation when they read it in the first century. That's a key. They understood it because they were in a situation, and Revelation is a type of literature that is a cosmic relaying of current events. It's a parody of what's happening. So whenever he says in later on in Revelation, hey, there was this dragon, and that it, it had sustained a head wound, and the head wound had a had a big gash in it, and it, and they thought he was going to die, but he didn't die, so they made him king. All of us go, ooh, I wonder who that dragon is. Gorbatrov. That's a good reference. I wonder who that dragon... It's Vespasian. He's a Roman ruler. He was a Caesar who, in the, the siege of Jerusalem in AD 60, suffered a massive head wound with a sword, and everyone thought he died. And when he didn't die, they were all like, this dude should be king, and he became king. I mean, it was like they all knew it. It was all just like a duh moment for them, but we're like, ooh, let's figure it out. They didn't have to figure it out. They knew. He's given them blatant clues there's a white there's a rider riding riding a white horse with a with a bow in his hand and he means death he's the parthian parthians that's it they knew that that was just basic stuff for them so they read revelation and they were like oh yeah that's that's that but we read read revelation and we get real excited about it but one thing that revelation does speak to us about is they were afraid Remember that guy Vespasian I just talked about. Remember Nero? Have you heard that name? Nero. Remember uh, Titus? And Titus was Vespasian's son who died of a headache. And Domitian was the the younger son who was nuts, a pretty good ruler, but just crazy. All of these guys started killing Christians because they weren't worshiping Caesar they were terrified the christians were terrified their their life was at stake and you know and in our understanding of scripture sometimes it's so short sighted that we think we think oh just our minor little difficulties are are the problems that scripture's are talking about and their life was at stake they could die they could get arrested any moment you could be in the the city, uh, the, the city square, in the main part of a city in Ephesus or in um, Thyatira or Laodicea, and you could you could be just talking with someone. Hey, how are you? And then you hear trumpets. And what has happened is the the walking down the street are the representatives of Caesar. And they would blow the trumpet. And whenever trumpets were blown, you had to drop to your knees and worship Caesar as God. And if you didn't, you would just be rushed off to court and probably executed. That could happen at any moment in any town. And you had to decide, am I going to worship Caesar or am I going to worship God? And it was a matter of life and death. They were afraid. And John writes this book. And he says, John, as it, he's not referenced, it, this, this is how they wrote it. This is from John. He's not writing this to John. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne." And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's saying, I'm writing this to you with the power of the one who was and who is and who is to come and Jesus who rules over the people that rule over you. See, what happened is the Christians would start saying things like, your Lord Caesar will die and stay dead. But our Lord conquered death. That was the message in the first century. That was them saying, our Lord overcame death. And Your Lord's going to die, and he's going to stay that way. Just drifting off in this world. He says he is the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and uh, to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and father to him, be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And then he says, look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn before because of him. So shall it be, Amen. And then this is the words of the Lord God: I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega is uh, the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So it's Alpha. And I'm the I'm the first and the last. I'm not just the servant. I'm the one who was and who is and who is to come. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. I am, I was, and I am to come. I am the Almighty. I'm the one who conquers all. I'm the one who overcomes. I'm the one who beats, who conquers, who rules the rulers of the earth. I've been before them. I'll be after them. At this point, like I picture, uh, there was this athlete. He's uh, Muhammad Ali. Uh, he, before a fight, man, he would just get to talking, and he would say, "I'm on." And what was great about Muhammad Ali is he was saying, "I'm gonna knock him out in the seventh round," and then he would dance for six rounds. And the seventh round, come, he'd knock that guy out. I mean, he just he knew what he was doing, and he just he just danced, and then, bam, got him. And he was, he was so good that he, he could back it up. The worst kind of people are the people who talk and can't back it up. They're the ones who say they can do all the stuff but can't do all any of this stuff. I played basketball with a guy one time, and I, I drove the lane, and I laid it up, and I scored. And this guy was standing out in the corner. He was like, get me the ball. And he had made a shot all night. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to get him the ball. He talked, but he can't back it up. That's me most of the time. I know him very well. I've stood out there many times going, hey, no, okay. That, the worst kind are the people who cannot back up their talk. And Jesus is saying Caesar cannot back up his talk. Because he wasn't. Now he is, but he ain't going to be. That's most of our problems in this world. And what's funny is we worship our problems. And you may say, well, I don't sing songs to my problems. No, you don't. But you give them more power than you give your God. Your problems were not. They are, but they ain't going to be. Your God was and is and is to come. Your God trumps your troubles. Your God overcomes your brokenness. Even death was not, is, and won't be. Because our God was and is and is to come. You lay a God who was and is and is to come on, on over problems that were not, they are, they're present, they exist, but they won't. When you give your problems more power than your God, when you give your trials and your troubles more pro- power than your God, there's a good chance you're not giving your God enough power. We worship the God who was and who is and who is to come. All everything that you've got going against you will be beaten by that God. And now, here's the trick. Is we can get frustrated with God for not doing things the way we would do them. Which is silly because you've been doing the things you've been doing things the way you would do them your whole life and look where that's gotten you. We get we can get frustrated with God and say, I, look at the problems in the world, God. There are people who are hungry, and there are people who are who are under like people, people who are dying from mosquitoes. Regularly. People who are dying from upset stomachs. People who are dying from preventable diseases. People without clean water. People without education. We have a world that is hurting. And we look to God and we say, God, why can't you fix this? And God's answer is often, well, let me start by fixing you. And our response is usually, "Ah, well, we'll see. We, we want God to fix the world without him fixing us. We want God to make the world right without him making me right. And it starts at home. It starts with me. It's like, it's like when Moses goes to God, uh, runs into God, goes to God. There's a, a bush lights on fire and just keeps burning. So he comes up to it and says, hey. And then uh, the, the, the God, through the burning bush, says, says, I've heard the cry of your people. And Moses says, yeah. Yeah, they've been in slavery for over 400 years, and we've been crying out to you forever to fix it. What are you going to do about it? And he says, I'm sending you. And he goes, well, that's probably not the best idea. Our problem is we serve the God who is who was and who is to come. We are not served by Him. We serve that God, and whenever we think that God is serving us, we can get things turned around. We can think, God should be doing this, and God should be doing that. And how arrogant of us, who we were not, we are. But without the power of God, we weren't going to be. And we serve the God who was and who is and who is to come. We serve the God who is first and last. We serve the God who is Alpha and Omega. He does not serve us. And we, we would do well to remember that the way you interact with other people should be in service to the God who is the Alpha and the Omega. The way you interact with your brothers and sisters uh, in church, the people who are not uh, believers in Jesus, the way you interact, the way you go and treat your waitress or waiter at lunch should be in service to the God who was, and who is, and who is to come. At that point, it's not just my problems that God needs to fix. It's it's me going into the world with the mission of God on my shoulders. One of my favorite quotes is that God's church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. We think that, well, let's figure out how exactly exactly we want to do things. But in the end, we are serving the one who will be here long after we are. One of the things I tell people around here, because I'm constantly bragging on you guys, Um, they'll say, well, you like that church down there? And I'll say, oh, man, yeah, yeah. Which is not, I mean, preachers aren't, preachers don't have to say that. A lot of times they'll be like, yeah, yeah, they are what they are. Hmm. Preachers don't have to say that. I don't have to say, I don't have, I I get to be honest about you guys. They'll say, they'll ask me about this church, and I'll say, church of 200, not this morning, but a church of 200, in a town of 1,200, by percentages, we're a megachurch. I'm Joel Osteen, guys. I'm a theologically accurate Joel Osteen. Next elders meeting, I'm going to ask for a giant rotating golden globe with a, with my name on it. <laughs> no. I, they say, wow, that's a... That's a crazy size of church for a town that's like, what, What's not just people from Middle Springs? It's people from Nashville, Murfreesboro, from DeQueen. People from uh, Hope. They, we we have um, uh, we have Ozan, and we have Blevins, and we have we have like I don't yeah McCaskill. Um, we have Texarkana. We have we have all we have people who drove from Germany to get here. <laughs> And and that's hard. And one of the things I always tell them is they'll say, oh, wow, that's great. And I'll say, yeah, it was happening way before I got here. Like, I'm not the reason people drive from McCaskill to get here. Um, it's not the preacher. It's the church. It's the family. It's the love that's here. It's the, that people love you right where you sit. And I love that. And I love being able to tell them that it's not me that makes this church good. That I'm not, I'm just, I'm along for the ride. And to to give them the history of you guys gives the church weight. God was was here long before you were here. God was handling things before you took over. God, God will be here long after you are here and he will handle things. People will forget my name. In, unless we get the globe. But <laughs> people will forget my name. It's going to be two generations. I don't know my great-grandmother's mother's name off the top of my head. Two generations, I'm gone. And God was and is and is to come the work we are doing is for a higher calling we are going to die before it gets better and better and better but we're we're giving in we're giving to it now we're offering it something now we're offering and listen it's all about whether or not you believe that god can do it and whether you obey the god who's doing it that's where we land that's where we, we just have faith and let our faith lead us to obedience in service of this God who is the first and last. I know who rules and it is not me. I know who sits on the throne around which all revolves. And it isn't me And it's not you. Thank God God is God. Because I can't, I'm just doing the best I can. And You're doing the best you can, and we're failing from time to time. But we serve a God who was and who is and who is to come. We serve the Alpha and the Omega. Your failures aren't the last word in the kingdom of God. And that's why pay attention to this that's why god is not as panicked about things as you are god's not as anxiety ridden when he watches the news i would read i would argue god reads the news instead of watches it but it's hard to tell that's just a joke it's not Hmm, where did he get that from the bible nowhere that's the answer nowhere the god's not god doesn't panic like you do also he probably doesn't worship those things like you do either god knows what really has power and it is the god who was and who is and who is to come You want to join the team of the God who was and who is and who is to come, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and end. You want to be in his community, in his mission, in his church. Today's the day to give your life to that. It's the only thing worth giving your life to. It's the absolute only thing worth giving your life to. Your call today or the call of the sermon today is for you to join the mission of God. And for you, that may mean finding Regina Westfall and teaching a class. For you, that may mean coming forward and giving your life to Jesus for the first time, being baptized. And you say, well, I'm just not ready for that. You're never going to be ready for that never ready to to be used by God but God uses people who aren't ready that's what's great about God you weren't you are now but you won't be without God we you want to join that mission serve that God do something today that makes you uncomfortable serve in a way that that you're not used to Be committed in a way that you've never really been committed. Because we serve a God who can do amazing things through our feeble little attempts. Because he was, he is, and he is to come. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Let's stand and sing.